is a week in the Weege. Hello and welcome to Week in the Weege. I'm Natalie Crawford. And I'm Selena Jackson. This week in the Weege calls for a permanent memorial on James Watt Street on the 50th anniversary of a fatal fire there. The Glasgow School of Art Board were quizzed at Holyrood on whether poor decisions contributed to the loss of the Macintosh building. A Rutherglen man with cancer stranded abroad is making a fresh appeal for help so he can pay for an air ambulance to bring him home. And a Glasgow sporting institution's warning fans they'll need to step up or risk losing their club. A very warm hello to you and welcome to Week in the Weege. I'm enjoying this Week in the Weege, are you? Oh aye, I'd have preferred it if it was Week in the Wedge. Aye, or a Week in Barbados. This is a Week in the Weege. I'm never going to get tired of that. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I'm back again. Last week I was like, I'm a one-time guest. Nope. I'm back again. I just loved your company that much. Oh, thank you so much. You're such a sook. So, those headlines there, you'll have noticed the distinct absence of Brexit. I have to say it's quite welcome. It's all (laughs) we've been talking about all week. So it's quite nice to talk about other news for a change. But... Oh, what a week it's been. I know, an absolutely <laughs> mental week. I feel as if we've just been like, Brexit, 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 Brexit. But other news has happened. I know, it has. And we need to give it time as well because yeah. it's all important news. And yeah. I don't think everyone wants to talk about Brexit all the time. No, I definitely don't. <laughs> so, a woman who lost her dad 50 years ago has been telling me that the disaster had an unprecedented effect on her life. And I have to be honest with you, Selena, until I spoke to Joyce, I had never heard of the James Watt Street disaster had you no I was the exact same I mean we were just saying that I said I was quite astounded by the event itself and the size of it and the scale of it and I thought why have I not known more about this before now I'm actually quite ashamed that I've not known more about it but you know since you were talking to me about it there it's something that I don't know do, do more people not know about this I don't know if maybe a generational thing I'm not sure but no it's something that I was completely oblivious to which is really bad i know well that is a good point it might be generational obviously we know about the cluthas and the bin lorries and all that kind of thing maybe it's just a generational thing but for anybody that doesn't know 22 people died on the 18th of november 1968 after a blaze broke out at a furniture upholstery plant on james watt street a commemoration service is going to take place in the city on sunday Um, If I remember correctly, I think it's at St Andrew's Church at noon. And I've been speaking to the daughter of one of the men who died, 36-year-old Henry Brown. So let's just hear what she had to say first of all. These people were important. Every single one of the 22 people were important. We need to remember that as a city of Glasgow. We need to remember that as human beings. And I'm sure it will be emotional. I'm sure, you know, there'll be lots of tears But I believe that my dad will be there with me, um, that my dad's always with me and around me, and that one day I will meet him again. It's important for me to remember my mum too on that day and how much she suffered and lived a life without a husband, without a partner, and how much pain and sorrow and sadness and tears that she had, not just in 1968, but for years and years and years to come. Um, she died in her 80s. Um, a long life to live without her husband. Bless her. I know. It's absolutely heartbreaking. And this service on Sunday is the first time that the city has ever done anything to remember the 22 people 
that died. And Joyce, bless her, she had to write to the Lord Provost, she had to write to the council, she wrote to churches, she wrote to the fire service, saying, look, we have to do something to commemorate this on its 50th anniversary. And she eventually got somewhere. But what she's really hoping for is a permanent memorial on James Watt Street. I could I could cry thinking about it to be honest with you Selena when I interviewed her she told me basically that it took them so long to recover her dad's body and she was so young at the time she never got to a funeral she never got to grieve for her father this service is going to be the first time in 50 years she has had the opportunity to do that that's that's horrible and I don't understand why she's had to fight for this commemoration service you think you know 22 people have died that is by no stretch of the imagination, an insignificant event in Glasgow's history. You'd think that's something that it would just be sort of ingrained into our memories and it would just be a given that would be commemorating that. I can't believe that this poor woman's had to fight for that to happen. Obviously now, you know, she's saying there should be a permanent memorial. Of course there should be. Like, I don't think there's any question yeah. about that. Absolutely. I think um, the site on James Watch Street where this factory used to be is now a car park. So... There's plenty of opportunity to even just have a plaque or something there. Um, I, I asked the council what the plans are and, and, and they said, um, Glasgow will commemorate the 50-year anniversary of the fire with a mass at St Andrew's Cathedral later this month. Representatives from Glasgow City Council, Scottish Fire and Rescue Service, along with family members of those deceased and the affected by the fire will be in attendance. The council has offered assistance to facilitate the sitting of a physical memorial should one be developed. But the work, to me, that says the work, the design, the fundraising, etc. is being put up. Still needs to be outsourced to somebody by else. someone else. Yeah. yeah. And surely it's for Glasgow to remember. You'd think so. And it's the sort of thing that you'd want to remember, you'd want to commemorate, but also something that, you know, you can learn from. That's not the sort of thing that you forget lightly or the sort of thing that you think, oh, that was just a sort of one-off mistake. You know, it was a fire in a furniture plant. That can't be a particularly uncommon thing to happen, maybe on this scale, of course, but you'd think it's something that you could learn lessons from and that it's important to remember and say, this is never going to happen again. Absolutely. And people make Glasgow, so let's make this happen. Exactly. It's a week in the Ouija. Glasgow School of Arts Board is being quizzed at the Scottish Parliament this week over claims it failed to look after the A-listed Macintosh building. Obviously, the, the fire at the Mac is something that we have covered extensively here on, on Week in the Ouija, especially as the, we've heard the evidence come out at Holyrood as the Culture Committee continue to, to hear about what caused the, the fire in 2014 and then, of course, the one earlier in the year so this week, the chair of the Board of Governors, Dr Muriel Gray, answered questions from MSPs about the competence of, of the board in, in, in managing the MAC. Selena, did you get mm. a chance to hear what she had to say at all? I read their response to it um, because I believe that they were being accused of, what was it, not taking on board certain advice that had been given as to fire risks um, but obviously the board have said that it wasn't feasible at the time there wasn't the right sort of systems to put in place because of the kind of old structure of the building and everything like that um, but I think it's really really interesting that the board itself is being criticised that's you know it's, it's major it's, it's major. It is major it's From a strong statement that they're making 
from what I can tell, they they had two different reports put in front of them um, that, f- from fire safety experts that said, said this building isn't up to scratch and mm-hmm. some, but definitely not all of the recommendations were taken on board and, and this all kind of came out at Holyrood earlier this week and there was quite a heated exchange between Dr Gray and Annabel Ewing who mm-hmm. is the who is an MSP and she's the for, former Minister for Community Safety. I actually interviewed her mm-hmm. um, at the scene of the Glasgow School of Art fire in the days after. So let's just listen to that first of all. One was an accident in a fully operational building in plain sight, which was evacuated with procedures that were exemplary. There's nothing redacted from that report, by the way, contrary to one of your witnesses saying that the only redaction was that of the individual involved in the fire. The second was a fire on a construction site in the possession of Keir in a non-operational building. So the confidence you can have is in that intervening four years, the art school was managed perfectly well, competently, and I would say uh, rather magnificently given what we were about to deliver back to Glasgow. That's why they should have confidence. I suppose it's your definition of magnificence if there's a catastrophic fire that has seen the well, end of the building as we Well, it is, Miss because so um, unless you have um, any proof to the... D- unless you have proof, because we're here about facts, that it was mismanaged, we would be certainly very pleased to hear that. How can you manage a building that's gone up and how can you perfectly well manage a building that's gone up in flames? There's not a building there for you to manage. And the intervening four years, as came out during the evidence at Holyrood, the control of the building had been handed over to care construction. So Mm -hmm. how can they have been perfectly managing something that wasn't within their remit Mm -hmm. at that time? I think it just kind of dredges up the questions that everyone asked at the time back in June when this building went up on fire again everyone thought how can this have happened again you know it happened the first time and it was devastating enough the first time never mind you know not even five years later it happens again and you think you know obviously without getting too much into it obviously it's still very much up in the air it's all speculative at the minute but you think something must have gone wrong at some stage for this to have happened again you'd think as soon as the first fire happened there would be pardon the pun, fireproof plans put in place to think this can never ever happen again. On the issue of fireproofing and and how this was allowed to happen twice, one of the things that they keep coming back to is these voids that were built within the building and it was actually part of Macintosh's design. That was how he circulated air through the building and obviously Mm -hmm. kept it fresh. Now, I can see on one hand why they wouldn't want to block those up because it's a historic building yeah. and so on and so forth. It's about forth. preservation of the building. Yeah, as but well, yeah. at the same time, you can't preserve a building if they're causing a, a fire risk. Um, we got a statement through from the Glasgow School of Art after the, the evidence. I'll just read a part of it just now. The GSA welcomed the opportunity to come to the Culture, Tourism, Europe and External Relations Committee meeting this morning to address rumours and speculation that have been circulating since the 15th of June by sharing the facts with members. We submitted detailed paperwork to the committee in advance of the meeting to help answer questions around the restoration, including issues of safety and access, and to clarify both the position of the site at the time of the fire and the GSA's oversight of the restoration. In particular, we are pleased to be able to tackle head-on the allegation that there is a casual link between our corporate governance and the occurrence of the second fire when the cause of that fire is not yet known. I can understand obviously they're wanting to 
clear up this speculation and everything like that. But I feel as though, you know, of course, their priority is to answer these questions in front of Parliament. You know, it's especially if there's potentially a, a legal issue or if they're accusing them of mismanagement or anything like that. But I think it's important as well that they're very open with the public in Glasgow too. Obviously, I think we're forgetting the point that, you know, this was a school of art that housed, I don't know, hundreds, maybe thousands of pupils. And I've not really heard much about what's happened to them since, how much information they've been given. I think it's really important that this is a very transparent process and that everyone that has, you know, an an opinion on it or a question to ask gets the right platform to do that because I think there are still a lot of questions that need to be answered. A week in the week. So our next story, we are talking about John Paul McAllister. He went on holiday with his partner to celebrate the end of chemotherapy treatment he was getting for bowel cancer. But while travelling, John took a turn for the worst and at the start of November, he ended up back in hospital. That's on the island of Reunion. His health has deteriorated and now he's stranded in the middle of the Indian Ocean while his friends desperately try to raise enough cash to get him an air ambulance home. My friends are currently trying to organise an air ambulance, which is going to be in the matters of tens of thousands of pounds, which is why I've got a just given page, home to raise 35,000 in order to get me home, because I can't travel without their special assistance. In addition to that, I've also got hotel bill costs, hotel, sorry, hospital costs. Although we're part of Europe in the French colony, and covered by the European Health Insurance Card. We still have to pay 20% of that bill, and so far it's up to £2,000. And finally, I just want to thank people for the outstanding and overwhelming response I've had to my, to my campaign. I can't believe how, how kind and generous people are in giving to complete stranger, and it really touches me. So, Thank you very much. It's just it's overwhelming emotional. Thank you for everything you can to, to get me home. Oh God, that just breaks your heart listening to that, doesn't it? It really, really does. And, and the reason I wanted to talk about this is because this is not the first story of this nature that we've covered on Week in the Wage with people getting stuck abroad, taking ill. Um, there was one a, a couple of weeks ago that I... Colin and I discussed it was a boy that had fallen off a motorbike in Argentina and he was in hospital getting treatment and had racked up really expensive medical bills and I just feel like these people are experiencing serious hardship they're not well their life is in danger they're in a foreign country that they don't know in hospitals that don't speak English necessarily as their first language there's a communication barrier they must be absolutely terrified and unsure of what's going to happen and then they're having to raise thousands of pounds to try and get them back home and I just feel like surely there should be more surely there should be another option they shouldn't have to go on just giving and crowdfunding and beg people for cash there should be something there that some sort of contingency plan for you know UK citizens stranded abroad or or whatever you know, I think it's something that we don't consider a lot because obviously we're fortunate fortunate enough even to live in a country where we've got the NHS. And you know, thinking of racking up medical bills of thousands and thousands of pounds is something that very fortunately we don't have to worry about. But you completely forget that as soon as you step outside, 
this this nice kind of bubble that we've got this is the reality for a lot of people and you know I'm really glad that we're talking about this because I think it's really important to raise awareness of that and you know poor John Paul I mean I, I believe it was his fiance or his husband that he went on holiday with to celebrate the end of chemotherapy and this has happened to him. I mean the more human aspect of it you just your heart just breaks for him but I completely agree with you I think it's it's really quite shocking that this is allowed to happen I, I believe that they've raised about £25,000 so far which is fantastic but like you said I mean people shouldn't have to resort to crowdfunding to cover medical bills it's just it's not right I'm enjoying this week in the wedge are you? Oh aye I'd have preferred it if it was week in the wedge Aye are a week in Barbados Fans of Glasgow's Speedway team are being warned they need to throw their full support behind their club next year or face closure. Its owners have revealed to Clyde News they've been hit with six-figure losses every year since taking over in 2014. And Ashfield Stadium's struggling restaurant will now only open on match days. Co-owner Jerry Fasena says clubs up and down the country are struggling now. He's urging fans to give up their time to make sure race days go off without a hitch and the club can continue to operate. Natalie, am I right in saying you're a Tigers fan yourself? I am a lifelong Tigers fan. Um, I actually turned up at Ashfield um, to speak to Jerry earlier this week, unintentionally wearing a red and white stripy top. <laughs> I completely fitted in. Probably went down a treat. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, no, so I, I have been a lifelong Tigers fan and it is fair to say that the club has had its struggles over the last decade, um, in 2011-12-ish, um, the, the then owners announced that you know they had six-figure debts and that they were going to have to sell up and they couldn't afford to keep going. And then a, a couple of seasons later, a group of kind of key fans pulled their money and they took over the club. And then the Fasena brothers, who own Allied Vehicles, that are based in in Springburn, anyway big, big company, um, came in, swept in and, and and bought the club off the fans and said, you know, the cavalry's here. Um, they'd done up the stadium and all of a sudden the, the Speedway was getting traction again and, mm-hmm. and fans really, really hoped that this was going to be an era of prosperity for the club because mm-hmm. the sport, fans aren't under any doubt, the sport is struggling across the country. There's teams up for sale they're just not drawing the audiences and I'm not really sure why because it's an absolutely amazing sport Mm -hmm. to watch. It is so interesting and see once you understand kind of how it works and and how the scoring works, it's absolutely brilliant. Um, But since taking over the club, Jerry says they've, his, his business Allied Vehicles has been absorbing six figure losses. They need to get roughly... 1500 people through the gates every week to wow. just break even and at the moment they're getting between nine and a thousand so there's a shortfall of about six thousand people and i mean for these guys it's not for want of trying they have done everything they've had they've been running competitions where the all last season the fans that brought the most new people through the gates won a trip to go and see one of the grand prix in poland oh, wow. um They've been doing Groupon deals, mm-hmm. lots of different things. The problem is people just aren't coming back. So they, Jerry's put out this appeal to fans and let, let's let's hear it from the horse's mouth. It's business as usual this year. Um, 
you know, the, the losses we will carry again. But you know, when we get to the end of the year, if it's significant losses, then we'll need to look at another option, and that might be National League. We're not going to say Speedways disappear. We wouldn't do that, but it could be National League that we're running and bringing some kids on. Whereas if everybody gets behind us and we can get some funds, because before we came into the club, you know, certainly a lot of the supporters were putting few hundred pounds in here and a few hundred pounds there and help fundraise and run events. I mean, the supporter club does a bit and they do very well for us, but everybody else has just disappeared on us. And we're left, you know, apart from a handful of people helping us, we're left to carry the can and you know, that, that's not what it's all about. Up and down the country, you know, all these other Speedway clubs, you know, there's a lot for sale, there's some of them in financial difficulty and it's the, it's the fans that keep them alive. Like, So what he's really asking for is fans to come along to volunteer their time to do the gates, to do, you know, sell raffle tickets, just help around the stadium on match days so that they don't have to pay people to come along and do that. And obviously Mm -hmm. that's going to kind of alleviate some of the financial burden and maybe they can pump that money back into advertising or, or whatever. But it's a real shame because Glasgow Speedway has been in the city for 90 years. It has a long history and it, it needs to stay it's something that I don't really know a lot about to be honest I've never gone to watch Speedway or anything like that but I mean obviously you said you're a lifelong fan you've obviously seen it kind of evolving through the years but do you have any idea what you know why why they're seeing this change is it fans losing interest is you know it's something that I'm a bit oblivious to but I don't know, are people more interested in, you know, kind of big, expensive, glamorous sports, you know, like kind of MotoGP and everything like that now? Are, are more fans moving towards sports like that? I'm not sure if it's a case of, of fans gravitating. The The thing about Speedway, and particularly in Glasgow, is there's always been a kind of core group you go and you know everybody that is in that stadium it's family friendly mm-hmm. you can bring the kids and there is just a really really lovely atmosphere I think the problem is not enough people know it's there and not right. enough people know what to expect or mm-hmm. even how the sport works because mm-hmm. I understand that if you're new to it and you go and you watch a race and then you're like okay so what does that mean so there has to be some sort of system where new people coming through the gates are getting clued up. Maybe mm-hmm. they're getting buddied up with somebody who is a lifelong explain fan who them, can yeah. explain to them how it works. And obviously we are living in extremely difficult financial times. So if you already support the Glasgow Rocks or, you know, you go football team or you yeah. go you know, all the other great sporting offering that there is in Glasgow because we are a big sports city. When you're competing with that, you know, you maybe can't afford two different things in a week. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of different factors. But if you're listening to this and you have never been to the Speedway, <laughs> hit me up. I'll take you. Come on. She it's means cool. it. I That's do. completely genuine as well. I'll, I'll explain it to you. We'll go. We'll have a laugh. Do you know what the thing is? Is It's not like the football as well. You can have a drink at the Speedway. I'll Let's come go. with you. Let's go. You have sold this to me. I'm going to come to the Speedway now. Excellent. <laughs> this is a week in the Weege. So that almost brings us to the end of the show. But before we go, it's time to find out how good our Glasgow geography is no. as we play Where in the Weege. 
Oh. And it's your turn this week. <laughs> yes, every week one of us will take a turn to guess what part of Glasgow and the West the other is talking about based on three clues. If we get it right on the first clue, it's three points. Second clue, it's two. And third, it is one. You know how it works by now. There'll be a running tally and this week it is my turn in the hot seat after Selena absolutely smashed it Thank last week. I've got a good feeling about this. I think this is going to be your week. Oh, I really I hope do. so. I do. I've, I've never managed it. We're on like episode 11 or 12 or something. You're going to manage it. Excellent. You're going to manage it. Okay. okay. So the first clue you've got is a geography based clue. Oh no. It, it might help a wee oh. bit. So to the south and the east, you've got the River Clyde. You've got Parkhead to the north and you've got Bridgeton to the northwest. <sighs> Colin used to give me clues like this. And I'm just... That's the only one like that. I meant... So it just gives I'm, you a bit of a grounding. I, it gives me... Where, where is Bridgeton? Well, I can't tell you because then they'll give it away. No, 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 no. And and the clue where is? Oh, it's to the northwest. Right. Mm. I <laughs> I don't know. I don't really. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Okay, right. Our second clue then is actually quite a topical clue. No. No, Parkhead's to the north of it. Ah. Uh, okay. On you go. You're you're in the right area. Okay. Good. So a topical clue next. The newly knighted Sir Kenny Dalgleish was born there. I don't know. Okay, I think you're going to get the last one. Are you ready for the last clue? Yeah, go on. Okay, so it was a major hub for the 2014 Commonwealth Games and it's where you'll find the Sir Chris Hoy Velodrome. Dunmarnock. Yes! Yay! (laughs) (laughs) Told you you were going to get it. I knew this was going to be your week. But no, well done. Very well done to you. Thank you. I'm very pleased. So that's what, 2-1 now? That's 2-1, yeah. Okay, if you make it back next week... I'm determined I'm to gonna make, make that next week. My clue really difficult. <laughs> no, I'm making myself a permanent fixture in this podcast now. Yes, let's do it. A Week in the Weege is a Radio Clyde News production. For the latest around the clock, follow on Twitter at Radio Clyde News. So that brings us to the end of today's Week in the Weege. Join us again next time for more on the biggest stories across Glasgow and the West. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter, subscribe on iTunes and we'll see you next time on A Week in the Weege. Bye bye.